This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on, everybody? And today welcome to the we, show. Today we got interrupted. <laughs> today we have the awesome a guest returning again, Tom Lapilli. How are you? I am great. How are you guys? Good. We're fantastic. Would you say, so it's L-A-P-I-L-L-E. Do people often say Tom Lapeel? Is it more common than Tom Lapeel? Uh, that is common. It's actually Tom Lapeli, which with like a, an E. Oh, which I have no idea why it's that way, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell people about it because it's so illogical. Right. You have to, like, it's like the soft I yeah. that becomes the E. It's, I, it's strange. All right. Fair enough. Great first question. Oh, yeah. There <laughs> we go. Um, so... Uh, before we jump into that, I do want to say, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are yeah. at the MM cast. Uh, in fact, I asked a question to the internet and I'm asking you right now a question, people listening. What was your favorite memory of cons block? What was your favorite thing that happened over the last year of magicness? And let us know. And at the very end of the episode, we'll tweet, we'll mention some of the people that, uh, wrote into us. We'll kind of share. Around. We got some great responses already. And yeah, big ups to you guys for, uh, when we say the Twitter thing, you, you do it. You've been great. You've been giving us all kinds of Twitter love. That's been really fun. We're like three away. And it's possible, based off of me asking this question and us getting actually pretty good responses, that we'll hit the 700 Twitter follower mark. That's great. While we're recording this. Actually, yeah. I'm going to keep It's been a landslide. We're like four that. away. Yeah. Four away. Oh, man. So yeah, go follow us now so that we can get those four <laughs> a week ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, and then always be sure to check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. Yep. Uh, that is Jimmy, jo- Jimmy Wong and Josh Sikwai, who do fantastic commander content. So if who you like think, to play I think Josh is in like... Singapore right yeah. now or Thailand or some other Southeast Asian country eating food that like... Yeah, you say the food because that's all the pictures. I just yeah. keep seeing the food. <laughs> that's all I've been seeing. Um, yeah, so please do that and, uh, and check out their podcast because they're great. And they're also on rocketjump.com. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of speed round if you're prepared to ask some, answer some questions. Uh, you'll have 10 questions in 60 seconds. Approximately six seconds per question. Are you oh prepared? Boy. No, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> All right. I'm going to count to three. Three, two, one, start. Card that has caused you the most grief in your magic career. Harbinger. Uh, wow. That's a really big question. Harbinger oh. of the Tides in the last week. Fair enough. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, eggs. Last person you texted? Uh, I think one of you guys. <laughs> Celebrity crush? Pass. <laughs> Favorite card? Grim Lavamancer. Most powerful mechanic ever made? Storm? Biggest mistake in magic history, mechanic-wise? Arcbound Ravager. Best action movie ever? Wow. You're way ahead, man. You got 16 seconds. 16 seconds. Oh, no. Uh, Terminator 2. That's a great. That's my answer, too. Do you play any instruments? I used to play drums. Done. Six seconds under. Way to go. All right. That's pretty good. 
Uh, if you had to think just a little a little while longer, is there a card other than Harbinger of the Tides that would would come to mind? Is this professionally or or in in gaming? In gameplay, because I know in it would be that one play. card, the one that you used in the example article that you wrote, right? That there's like that time spiral card. No, it was. Uh, uh, oh, Riftmark tonight? That card was the one, and then the other one was from Alara that you hated so much. Oh, uh, wow. No, Ethercast I, or whatever? What's oh, it? yeah, that, that's a really a good one that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, what does that card do for those people that aren't? You probably know better than so, me. Well, <laughs> a, white, a white, a blue, and a black for a 2-2. Two, two, if there is an artifact in your graveyard, it has flying. And it just doesn't. There's just flavor-wise, there's just no I, reason. Please explain to me what this means. <laughs> I, I, have, I have nothing for you. Oh, wow. In terms of cards that have made me unhappy, I want to say like Molder Slug because I played a lot of Affinity and Mirrodin Block Constructed. That's okay. probably like the integral over time most annoying as a player, but I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer here, I guess. I feel like for me, it's got to be it's got to be either the card Counterspell or Strip Mine because I mm. played so much Magic with my brother as a kid and yeah. he loved to make really unfair decks that weren't fun to play against. Those aren't fun. And I remember like the number of times that I would just like, I just was a kid. Like, he'd counterspell everything. I swear he's playing with more than four. He had to be. And Strip yeah. Mine. I mean, Strip Mine's the most obnoxious card ever made. It's bad. Yeah. All right. There you go. I don't have one. Really? I, I, if, it's frustrating that I should be playing with it to frustrate other people. No, you should not. <laughs> yeah, well, you, please stay a good person. It's fine. <laughs> well, this is, okay, so I know what Josh Josh's answer uh, from Singapore. It's Blood Moon for him. And my answer was oh, just yeah. to throw it in every <laughs> I have. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. You, I mean, you can't even speak on playing obnoxious things because you're the guy that like cashed at an SCG event playing Pox and Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> awesome. I actually had the worst headache maybe I've ever had while playing a game, and for some reason I generally perform better when miserable. Hmm. I don't know why that is. It's a weird fact about Alex Kessler. All right. Interesting. <laughs> um, moving on. You won a PTQ this uh, two weekends ago. I did win a PPTQ two weekends ago. It's it was it was nice. It was uh, the last po- the second to last possible chance and playing it was modern. Playing modern, yeah. Because so I, I was going to miss a, a regional PTQ, and that's I'm kind of just not okay with that happening. So I decided to spike one because that's the thing you get to decide apparently. But uh, I wish that we had the same attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I want to play in another pro tour, and the RPTQs seem like in some ways the best way to make that happen. So, so yeah, I was playing Grixis Twin. Uh, that was inspired by some angry rhetoric from Eugene Huang, who's a local guy, yep. who's a silver pro now. Front of the cast. Yeah, yeah. I, was, uh, I was talking about playing Patrick Sullivan's zoo slash burn deck instead, and there was a point where he was just like, don't you want to beat everyone? And I, I, I didn't really process that at first, but the point that he was trying to make in this like angry statement was that Grixis Twin is really the only deck that kind of gives you a shot at everybody. Because so you have a stupid combo that can put away the stupid combo people, that, and you can interact with them, so like you can remand their thing and then twin them or whatever. Uh, and then when, they're, when your Splinter Twin combo is bad, your transformation into a control deck is really great. Like I sideboarded out all six of my, my cre- combo creatures and my Splinter Twins a lot when those cards were under attack, and... Going, be, having black in your deck instead of not means that you have Kolagon's Command, you have Tassiger, you have all kinds of just really great long game cards. And also I just despise Roast as a magic card. And if I were to play straight blue-red, I would have had to have played a bunch of Roasts. And when I look at like getting to play Terminate versus having to play Roast, it's I, no I, I hate Roast. It's right. so bad. So that led me to play Twin. I did some practicing on Magic Online. I felt pretty good about my list and 
The one thing that surprised me was that I sided out Cryptic Command in every single match I played. I only played one, and the card was absolutely a piece of trash. I wish I had not played it at all. It's but. really weird that you would say that. It seems like there's a shift that's been happening since the printing of Colgon's Command, where the blue decks that are used to playing Cryptic Command, if they can support black, it's like the value... It's just like... I keep hearing that, that it's a, it's a really slow card, doesn't quite fit into modern. That I think some decks, like... Escape Shift makes a lot of sense that you could play it yeah. because you could accelerate into it a turn early. Yep, you get a lot of mana. The problem with me is I, I couldn't get enough mana to like get into a fight that involved a Cryptic Command. I played a couple matches where my opponents drew both of their Cryptic Commands, and between me having a bunch of Dispels, Negates, and Remands, it was just I, it was very easy for me to make it horrible for them to ever play a Cryptic Command. This spell is so sweet. It's, it's amazing. Right? Were you playing four between the man and the board? I only had two. I th I'm thinking about trying to find room for a third. Where a lot of people have four dispels, I have two dispel, two negate, because I like having them be better in post-board games against things like Planeswalkers or... Yeah, Lily. Yeah, Liliana is a huge problem and... Karn, so, for that matter. Yeah, and Karn... A lot of, like, the big stupid decks negate is great against. I got to hit a, a Jace Architect of Thought with a negate. <laughs> I feel like Jason Architect of Thought is pretty underrated in the format. It does a lot of good stuff against a lot of the 1-1 token strategies in the format. I think it definitely was better back when Blue-Red Delver was ruling the roost right. of decks in the format. But still, like, there's a lot of Lingering Souls decks out there, and there's a lot of other just random 1-1 Dirtle decks that it can do a lot to stop. Plus, it's a good card draw engine. I'm coming, around. Have it. I'm coming around on that card being amazing. I saw a video with Sam Party playing straight blue red twin on channel fireball recently and i was surprised the way that he built his sideboard he was not enabled to side out all 10 of his splinter twin things against something like obzon or jund but his uh, his jace architect of thought he had two in his deck there and that was a big part of why his transform i thought was so strong so i'm looking for a way to fit that into the deck i feel like in some ways tassiger is my jace makes sense in the grixis deck but Jace was really good. The card definitely is. I, I've seen it in a lot of lists. It's, it's experiencing a bit of a resurgence in modern, which is cool. Yep. And the fact that that can happen, th that a four-mana card can do that, can kind of come out of nowhere or yeah. just creep up, it makes me really happy. I like that about modern. Karanos is in the same space, and I think those cards are fine. Like, if you're paying five mana, you just really can't have it be destructible. So Karanos is sort of the bigger one. Jace is a, right. a baby one, and... All those cards are great when you're needing to go along. Definitely, definitely. So uh, are you, if you hadn't won a PPTQ, would you have wanted to continue playing Modern for three more months, or are you happy that the season's over? It's hard for me to say. The more I got used to the format, the more fun that I was having. The format's still a little bit higher variance than I think I would prefer for a super competitive format, but now that I kind of have a sense of what's going on and I'm playing a deck that gives me more room to interact with people. Splinter Twin just gives you ways out of so many situations. Sure. And that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for in terms of the f what's fun for me playing games. And luckily there's a deck that does that that's also strong. So that's not a given that I would be happy with a deck in the format, I guess. But I did find one that I'm happy enough playing. What was the matchup that you hated to see the most? So this is new... Merfolk is basically unbeatable now that people are putting the Origins guy into the Harbinger, deck. Harbinger yeah. of the Tides. So good. Which is why you mentioned him earlier as your most frustrating card during yeah, the Yeah, I, I am not beating that card on Magic Online at all. I don't see Merfolk a lot live, but a guy... There was a point where like I had a Dispel in my hand. A guy passes the turn with five mana up, 
and I have the twin combo and I just need to do it now. And I'm staring at this and I'm like, there's, there's nothing I can do. It's like, I can't stop a four mana instant speed bouncer tapped guy. And that was just that. And then I died and it was really annoying. So that's a problem. I really don't have problems with any of the other matches in the matchups in the format. I feel like the reason I played twin is that I liked all of my matchups, but Merfolk's a problem if that keeps getting bigger. Well, and that's and that's kind of what Merfolk has always been good for is hating on the blue decks with counter magic historically because you have Aether Vile, Cavern of yep. Souls, and all your creatures island walk. Yep. And so it's an unblockable army of uncounterable dudes. And so that's exactly where blue is the most hurt. And you being blue, black, red, you also, you know, get slightly hated out by even spreading seas to a certain extent. So like I definitely can see why that deck is really well positioned. Yeah, I put, I put a second Grim Lava Mancer in my sideboard for Magic Online playing and preparing for the regional PTQ, which will be on Halloween, which is really not, not my favorite date to put a Magic tournament Jeez. on. But uh, yeah, my boyfriend and I are making a trip out of it down to San Diego, so it'll be fine. We'll do fun things in San Diego afterward, but I really would have preferred it be on a different day. That is surprising. I It surprises me. Um, so if that's the worst matchup, what's the matchup that just puts a huge smile on your face when you see it? I used to think it was Amulet because they're just kind of slow and awkward compared to your combo. But right. the more I play against pe people who are not strong Amulet players seem to have decided that that's not for them anymore. And so when I see an Amulet, it basically means that I'm playing against someone good. So my win rate against Amulet has gone down a lot. I think my favorite is Grixis Control because most of the time I feel like the, the games go long enough that the variance is low. And so far I can usually outplay my opponents at the levels that I'm playing at. Well, also, like, your deck is, your deck is, like, a little bit less control-y in game one, but you can just win out of nowhere. And yeah, like, can't. <laughs> we're, we're playing the same deck, except I get an I win button. Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, my, my biggest complaint of playing the control decks before Grixis existed, but in the blue-white-red days, uh, was the fact that against twin players, I was tooth and nail clawing to try and bolt them out, and they're just like, oh, I just won. And it's yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, and, and I love playing against the control decks because I get to blood moon them. Yeah. Right. Th that's yeah, 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 yeah. people with manlands who are depending on that. Like you, blood moon them, and they are sad. I got to blood moon an Esper mentor guy, and like just watching him slowly slump in his chair. Not, not that I really get a kick out of making people <laughs> sad, but like I know if somebody yeah, is that slumped, join the dark side. No, like if they, if they're that slumped, you know that like they've kind of already given up in their head. And right. so when I've got like Spellskite, Blood Moon, and uh, Karanos going, and Whoa. he's just like, it's I, I that felt good. So. Can imagine. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So, I, I do have a question about this because. As people on the podcast, if they don't know, they now will know. But you used to work for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. You're one of the designers. And kind of the processes for Wizards employees and ex-Wizards employees starting to play competitive magic again. Because I know there are limitations to that. Yeah. And I'm wondering kind of what those are. And I'm assuming some of our listeners might be as well. Yeah. So it's pretty complicated for ex-Wizards employees. There's a There are a couple different blackout times after each set that you knew about. Okay. depending on whether it's a premier level event or not. The fact that I could only play in three PPTQs for Modern was basically because of the weird blackout date 
things that were going on. You start stopped being one of the designers around Origins, so is that around when? Uh, Origins was the last set that I have a blackout period for, so Got I'm it. totally free and clear now. Past that, if you still are at Wizards, you're basically free and clear after a week to play in anything that doesn't touch the Pro Tour and that doesn't have randomly a gigantic prize. So if you're playing at a Friday Night Magic in... Seattle, you very well could just play against Wizards employees, and right. that's pretty much that. If a store like has a problem with a Wizards employee playing, they can just be like, don't play, and the Wizards employee has to respect that, but... More if they're not, they're more excited to have a Wizards employee right. playing than they are worried about collusion on... You know what standard cards were good in the future, future leagues. Yeah, I mean, right. Ago. People who are doing that at an FNM, I think they just have issues. So my guess is that generally speaking, those people won't be doing things like that. Are there major, like, so let's pretend you were at Wizards and you were designing a set and it's, yep. it's a year and a half out uh, and you go and you do a bunch of speculative buying on eBay of cards that you know are going to increase in value way down the line. Is that something that is investigated and frowned upon heavily? That is definitely not something that there are good ways to police, but it is definitely something that is frowned upon. Gotcha. Interesting. So people do it, is what you're saying. You don't know them personally, but you know that people do it. It, I I have to imagine that someone there does. Right. Like, sure. In terms of the kind of people who work on Magic, generally speaking, everyone I know is wants to be a good steward of the game. Like, right. We're working for Wizards because we love Magic. We want it to do well, and we don't want to do things like that. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like some of it could be construed as, and I mean this is a very weird subject, but as breaking a um oh what's it called. Sorry. What, a conflict of interest? No, no, no. I would say it, it goes even close to breaking an NDA because... Yeah, that makes sense. I notice, like, I'm a Star City Games employee, and I don't know the future, and, you know, we can talk about that for a whole other, but I don't know the future, and I notice, oh, Mark Rosewater just bought a thousand uh, Scalding Tarns. I wonder why. And then yeah. the next day, he's like, well, we're not reprinting Fetchlands. Then it's like, well, he just... I can now tell when yeah. the future of what cards are being printed based off of these Wizards employees that, as a Star City Games sure. store manager, I would know their names. I mean, we can talk about this kind of stuff, but all of all the things that live in that area, like it is in Star City's best interest to that we can all trust them. It's in Wizards' right. best interest that we can trust what Wizards is up to. I really don't think that is a major thing that's going on. because the, the, In some ways, the people who know enough about that to potentially do something are exactly the people who care enough about the ecosystem to not do that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um. Du, 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 du. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, so next, uh, I want to talk about uh, the World Magic Cup qualifiers and what they are, what does that mean, what is a World Magic Cup, and right. that whole process. So... I guess, do you want to explain what the World Magic Cup is? Yeah, the World Magic Cup is a team tournament that pits all of the countries that have a large enough Magic population against each other. I don't recall where it's happening this year. I believe it is in Europe somewhere. But each country runs three qualifying events that get you a seat for the tournament. And then the fourth seat on the country's team goes to the pro player with the largest amount of pro points for the year. And that person is called the national champion sort of arbitrarily as a title, but then those four people play in Team Limited and then Team Constructed for a bunch of money and the Team World Championship. And you get to be a world champion if you win, which is super sweet. It is a, that pretty is much, a hell of a title. Pretty much in anything. I'll take world champion of pogo right. sticking if I had any balance in 
the time to master poker yeah. staking. Um, it is different for the record, just in case anybody's confused. It is not the same as the World Championship. It's that is correct. true. So the World Magic Cup is a, is an entirely like a national. It's like the difference between the NBA Championship and the uh, the Olympics. Yeah, or like the you know FIBA World Basketball sure. Cup or something. Yep. So the reason why I think this came up for our podcast is that the World Magic Cup qualifier that's happening not this weekend as we record, but the weekend after that is actually modern. Right. Uh, there's one of the qualifying weekends for of the three that is modern each year, according to what they've announced, at least for this year. And that one is soon. So I know some people who are going to be making their way up to San... Something? Uh, San, <laughs> San Clara. Santa Clara, maybe? It's, it's yeah. some Santa it's, it's city San up there. It's San Francisco adjacent yeah. right. city. That's on yeah. a, it's a weekend. It's a single. Yeah, it's, it's a one day tournament, right? It's sort of a one day tournament. The Swiss is on Saturday, and the top eight is on Sunday. Okay. So and for most people, it'll be one day. And that's coming up. That's open entry. Yeah, it is. No, o- no it's not. It's sort of open entry. It's, most yeah. most people who play a decent amount of competitive magic will have enough planeswalker points to get ah, in. I see. I believe the threshold for the United States is five hundred, and you know, I play a decent amount of magic, and in the Six months since I started playing again, I was able to put together like twenty two fifty four planeswalker okay, points. Gotcha. So it's not a huge threshold. The the four the four thresholds are uh, planeswalker point threshold. There's a hall of fame. If you're a hall of famer, you can play in it. Uh, your pro player points. So if you're silver, you're pretty much locked. And uh, or you can one of the win a WMCQ trial. So there's the Magic Cup like trials and there's a bunch right beforehand at the tournament site and then there's a few at different local stores leading up to it but yeah. those are like it's it's pretty if you're committed to going to this if you're going to go to that place it's not that hard to kind of get qualified for it i yeah. wonder if i'm qualified after i wonder if like i played four pptqs and i got 96 at gp vegas i wonder if I have yeah, you almost certainly are oh interesting maybe i should go yeah you should look be kind of fun. Yeah, it's modern. So the thing that, that Ben's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing that's really cool about these tournaments is that with the change to the PPTQ system, yeah, this is one of the only ways to have one tournament spike you to the highest level of competition. It's like a Grand Prix if you X and two over fifteen rounds, you yeah. can do that, which is tough, right? And you know, winning this is also going to be tough. There are going to be plenty of pros in the tournament, but it's a realistic way to think. Yeah. That you could just spike your way into the Pro Tour. The field will be stronger, I feel like, while the amount of rounds you have to sludge through to get there just by showing up on one day is going to be much much, much easier to... Yeah. I well, expect it'll be nine or ten rounds. Well, we will talk about it after the podcast. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep uh, let's keep rolling through. So uh, that's how they work, and we just explained how they qualify. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the Twitter responses really quickly before we do our sign off. We, right. we did ask a question. Uh, and I got a lot, so I'm going to apologize to the world if I miss your tweet. But you know that's what happens when I ask a pretty open ended question of what's your favorite men- memory during God's block. The fact that there's like enough people involved with this podcast now that you can ask either a controversial or open ended question and get well over a hundred responses. Well, I got four hundred responses to uh, the Fetchlands argument. Fetchland argument. I basically said I'm very happy and it was a great thing that Fetchlands challenges accepted. And then I literally spent most of my first day on vacation arguing on Twitter until my girlfriend yelled at me and stole my phone. It's awesome. <laughs> no, I, mean, I just, just I just want to thank everybody that listens and, and tweets at us. It really. I'll be doing anything, any number of things in my day, and I probably switch between my personal and the Masters of Modern Twitter account to check the notifications 19, 25, 30 yeah. times a day. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, con- like literally constantly. Like I'm very interested in what you guys have to say. Um, so the first one is from Rad Elemental Blast, which might be one of my favorite Twitter names I've got. It's at it's underscore blast. Uh, tough to say. Probably just a, the constant dynamic metagame shifts in each format, which I guess we didn't really talk about that modern. But and part of this is because we had that very tumultuous fall. But modern's metagame has shifted drastically continuously throughout the year and we listed it i mean part of that is just there's been a lot of powerful cards printed and the way that has shaped up the format has changed it a lot um the command zone the podcast sister podcast <laughs> josh, at Jimmy. <laughs> josh taking a break while us, delicious food uh cracking my very first fetch land slash first foil planeswalker that was jimmy wong and i'll then, bet you uh, jimmy wong had a better actually uh, highlight of the year and something to the tune of finding like 35 revised dual lands at a Goodwill in Oregon. That sounds a little sweeter to me, but thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the honesty. Um, EDH.ghost at the MMCast. Pre-release with a small group of fun people at a small store with at direct damncast. Okay. Very cool. Sweet. Um, Hair Spaghetti. These are some great names. Great names. Uh, pulled off Pestermite, Kiki Jiki in a multiplayer cube draft. Yeah. Multiplayer cube draft. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. awesome. Uh, Nick Canner, uh, finishing off my mono blue Tron deck and taking it to a modern night at my local store. Awesome. Yeah. What Sweet. about you, Kess? My favorite modern yeah. moment or moment of the year? Yeah. Um, Tom, what about you? Yeah, go to someone else first. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think it was day twoing my first Grand Prix back. Nice. Which uh, one was day, that? Th- oh, gosh. It was this year. Or is it this year? This block? Is it this block? Uh, this year is fine. This year, yeah. Oh no, because oh no, that was this year. The last it was the, yeah. Months. This is the first weekend of uh, of January this year. It was my first Grand Prix back at Grand Prix Denver. Nice. And I went X five. Nice. And it's not like that was great. If I had known to draw the last round instead of play, I would have made two hundred and fifty dollars. But it felt nice to be validated that I was kind of back in fighting shape. So yeah, yeah. that was mine. I think GP Vegas in general the whole weekend. I had a, I had a, for me, which is a, a good finish, but even then, um, just the whole weekend was so much fun. It was just this huge event, and so many people went. And our store, you mentioned Eugene and Andrew, friends of the podcast, Cliff and, and Austin, all these guys who are legit pros now. Uh, we all, there was 15 of us that went, and I think 11 out of 15 day two'd, which was unreal. Yeah. And just the feeling of just accomplishment that everybody had. Uh, it was just such a fun weekend. I just can't wait. I, I hope that's. I hope Vegas, the gigantic Vegas Grand Prix, is every single year now. Whether or not there's a Modern Masters, sure. Um, so that was that was mine. What about you, Cass? I think actually my favorite moment of the year was at um, GP, not GP San Diego, just San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, <laughs> and you know I, I got to hang out with a lot of cool people from Wizards and and also get to play Magic. But I think my favorite moment was kind of interacting with the fans and like people like. Um, Edward Killian and his son, who came up, came up to me, I gave him uh, Ben Bateman and Alex Kessler tokens from uh, Top Decking, and just like interact with them, and you're super excited to meet me. And that was probably my favorite moment of maybe the whole year in Magic, if not one of my favorite moments of the year in like life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a couple of moments during the year, both in Vegas, where a couple of people came up to us and were like because we had just made the the play mats and they were like nobody does modern content and you guys do and this is so cool to talk to you and we're like we're literally just magic players that talk about it 
to microphones in a really overheated room. Yeah, uh, it's but, so hot in here. But, <laughs> the, but there was that one. And then the other thing that I think is the coolest is you guys all know how big of a fan of Grand Architect I am. And I talk about it constantly. And I, I've gotten a bunch of emails from different listeners who are like, help me with my Grand Architect deck. That's awesome. Actual questions that are like, this is what I'm working on. Because we had a whole, I mean, that to me... And the the superior Coco stuff too, just because there was so much love for that deck, and and I met people at PPTQs that had built my deck and said tweeted at me, and I played against your deck yesterday. That's like, it's probably the happiest moment I've ever had as a Magic player. Actually, is that one of my weird brews actually is in people's hands now? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a great year for Magic. But oh, and Ed's son uh, is Noah. And no, I want to tell you out there, I'm really happy you got into Affinity. It's a great deck. It was the first deck I ever picked up in a turtle format uh, back in my Legacy Plague days. And, you know, just stick at it. You'll get really good at it. Does anyone have any Affinity advice for Noah? Affinity advice. Never sacrifice Arcbound Ravager. Play first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, beyond oh. our favorite moments of the year, let me get back to some of the other Twitter people and then we'll move on uh eric landis watching my eight-year-old boy go to three five in a modern premiere iq at an seg portland a few months ago yeah that's awesome um modern pptqs alexander Britt. um and i'm gonna do one more and i'm gonna do it randomly zara fial at zara fi all uh probably all of the fun going from fun to competitive magic and becoming a level one judge yeah he interacts all the time thanks for the video you made it's the one time oh yeah awesome also Good on you becoming a judge. The more yes. of those, the better. The, the, you and your folk do a great service to this community, and we appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for, for all of your responses and continue to, to do it. If you want to follow any of us, you can find Kessler at... Kess Wiley. And you can find me at, at ben, ben, ben Bateman Media and the podcast at, at the MMCast. And Tom, where can the people find you and tell us about Battlecast for quick I am at Tom Lapelli Magic and... You just said something about Battlecast. So uh, I'm working on a project called Skylanders Battlecast. It is a game that I shouldn't say anything else about. But if you want to see what it is, go ahead and Google Skylanders Battlecast, and the internet will be happy to tell you about it. There it's, are cards and numbers and colors. I saw, I saw there those are cards, things. there are colors, <laughs> and there are numbers for sure. There are also Skylanders. And I, we just have an amazing team working on it. On In terms of the game design side, we've got me, we have Patrick Sullivan, and we have Billy Moreno. Oh, sweet. Which is a pretty great squad. And we managed to get Gabor Zixai, who is a magic artist, to be our art director recently. So nice. working with him has been phenomenal. We've, we've got an amazing team. I'm very excited about the project. And uh, maybe one day I'll get to say more soon. <laughs> and we'll have you. We will happily have you on to talk about it when you can. Right. Um, the last plug before we continue, I actually figured out how to play Moto again because uh, my computer died that was able to play at the PC, but I got a new one. So I will be Twitch streaming things. So you should follow me at Xander574 on Twitch. And yeah, I'll be sharing on Twitter. So really just follow us on Twitter at the MMCast. If you pay attention there, you'll find out all of the news. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>